There's a common phenomenon in humanity that centers around rage and a social sense of justice. When we see an injustice or hear of someone doing something wrong, it is easy for us to get upset with them and to desire some kind of retribution. In fact, we often go out of our way to let them know that they have done something wrong. We see this throughout history, a sort of social rage. Sometimes it's seen as a kind of check to make sure that those in power, those who are doing something bad, are uh, brought to justice. When someone commits an inappropriate, sinful, or evil action, the social response can often be in the form of a vengeful, rage-filled mob, ready to accuse, to judge, and punish the guilty party. When we think of a mob, we might imagine a group of angry people holding torches and pitchforks, the stereotype of a mob. When a mob forms, so does a group mentality. Reason is dulled and hatred is fueled as the mob seeks justice. However, over time, the typical mob has changed. Instead of pitchforks, mobs now often carry slogans or strong phrases, hurtful words meant to hurt, to tear down, to destroy. Instead of torches, they wield keyboards and social media accounts. Just as in the past, a mob is formed quickly in an act of blind rage and passion without mercy and with great prejudice. We see this very often online, in the news, in politics, where there are people who immediately are quick to judge, to condemn, and to desire to pass judgment upon others, speaking words that they would not normally speak, and forgetting themselves and becoming part of this large group that just needs to punish this one person. And there's something cathartic about that, seeing someone punished for doing wrong. But today we experience that same anger. That same unforgiveness, that same hatred of the past in the form of crushing words and venomous verbiage. This is what the world's justice looks like. Brutal, oftentimes without mercy, and often wielded by hypocrites. Those who do the punishing, who judge, are oftentimes themselves guilty of things equal to or worse than those they judge. This is not our justice, brothers and sisters. This is not the justice we encounter on the cross. In today's gospel, we hear of a mob formed to stone a woman caught in adultery. It was considered just to stone a woman who was found guilty of adultery, of being unfaithful to her husband, or being found in intimacy with a man who was not her husband. When a woman was found guilty of adultery, a mob such as the one in the gospel would throw, form to throw stones at the woman until she was bludgeoned to death. This was considered just, God's justice. The men and women who perhaps knew the woman who was about to be stoned would walk away from the brutal sight of their bloody deed, likely thinking themselves righteous as men and women of God. Considering this, we know that the woman in the gospel is in danger of being stoned when she is brought before Jesus. Sort of like a bunch of cats bringing a mouse and encircling them and saying, what shall we do with this mouse? Imagine what it must have been like for her to be surrounded by those who wanted to kill her, who wanted her dead, 
And amidst the hateful gazes, the hateful glares, to meet the loving and merciful gaze of Jesus. The Pharisees brought this woman ultimately to test Jesus. They were just using her. They likely thought Jesus would tell them not to stone her. And in their minds, thought that they would then be able to rebuke Jesus for acting against the law of Moses. However, it is Jesus who rebukes the Pharisees and the crowd and all those who act as hypocrites and impose their judgment as though they were God. In Jesus' response to the Pharisees, he writes something on the ground with his finger. We don't know exactly what Jesus wrote on the ground. Perhaps he wrote the woman's sin. Perhaps she wrote, he wrote something alluding to God's mercy. Regardless of what was written, Jesus effectively draws a line in the sand and issues an ultimatum to the crowd. Jesus tells them, Let the one among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. By saying this, Jesus has just exposed a double standard among the crowd, and even in our society today. A double standard is a rule or principle which is unfairly applied in different ways to different groups or people. By pointing this out, Jesus has just exposed those gathered together with the intent of stoning this woman to death as hypocrites. They were about to stone her for her sins, but Jesus points to the contradiction that none of them themselves were without sin. If they were to throw a stone in judgment, they themselves should receive that same punishment. Therefore, no one in the temple except for Jesus had the right to throw a stone at this woman. woman. And Jesus does not throw a stone. With a simple question, Jesus makes the point that none of us are without sin. None of us are perfect. That no one reserves the right to pass final judgment upon another without that same judgment being passed on them. Judgment is then not reserved for us to enact, but is reserved for God alone. And what is God's judgment? What is God's justice? We see God's justice on display here in this very church on the cross, that great love our Lord has for us. We see it on display in Jesus' interaction with the woman. As Jesus does not stone her, he does not choose to judge her with punishment, but with mercy. Instead, Jesus asks her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And when she says no, he replies, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, do not sin anymore. This reveals God's justice as mercy. Jesus reveals the Father's justice through his judgment of mercy. Jesus was sent not to condemn sinners nor to condone sin, but to heal and to save by revealing the Father's justice, which is mercy. Before Jesus' intervention, the woman's only path was a path to death. But Jesus offers another path, a path of new life through redemption and faith. Jesus' final words to the woman, go and sin no more, act as an invitation to conversion and to repentance. These words invite the woman to a new life free from the death of sin and hope in God's love and mercy. As we reflect on this gospel passage, 
It is possible for us to imagine ourselves as either the woman caught in adultery or as the angry mob who desired to stone her. It is so easy to get caught up in politics, self-righteousness, pride, comparisons, or even a flawed sense of justice, and to judge others as though we have any right to. However, as Christians, it is our duty to imitate Christ in our lives. Just as Jesus revealed the justice of the Father as mercy through repentance, as seeking healing and peace rather than condemnation and suffering, we are called to impart mercy on others as well. This also means that at times we are called to invite others to conversion away from sin, but always with charity. Oftentimes you'll hear the rebuttal if someone were to point something out and say, this isn't okay to do this. Obviously, we can point to those things in our lives that we struggle with and others to say, like, this isn't okay. But we recognize that sin itself is a sort of death we experience, that through sin, suffering and death entered into the world. And it is also our duty to point out injustices, to fight for those who don't have a voice, and to recognize in ourselves and in others those sinful habits. But to do so in a way where it is effective, where it was received, to look to our Lord himself, how he called others to repentance, to that consistent uh, um, conversion towards that new life that he offered. We may also find ourselves as well on the other end of someone's judgment for a mistake or perhaps a sinful action we have committed. Ultimately, we trust in faith that our sins are forgiven according to God's mercy through repentance and reconciliation. Through this, we come to know of our own weaknesses as well, and also, more importantly, God's great mercy. And by this, we also gain a certain spiritual empathy. This empathy reveals that if we are forgiven by the Father, so too must we forgive others. I encourage us then to consider these things, both the difficult reality of our sinfulness, but also the mercy shown in God's justice, which we are called to imitate on the internet, at home, in school, and in the world as those who have been redeemed by God's mercy. Amen.